we're going to wrap up this series with this idea of redefining inclusion, redefining how everybody can be included and how everybody can feel welcome. And so I want to start with a story. Um, Caitlin and I, uh, for about five years, had kicked around the idea of getting a dog. She was more passionate about it than I was. I necessarily didn't want a dog at first. However, I've subsequently fallen in love with the dog. I love this dog. She's great. But for five years, we tossed around the idea of, should we do this? And my answer was always, no. No, I'm not the be-all, end-all decision maker in our house, but we do talk about things. And I said, I don't want a dog because I don't want to have to clean up after the dog. I don't want to have to walk the dog. I don't want to have to not be able to travel because of the dog. I'd really like to just focus on our life and not get a dog. Well, one day, Caitlin came to me, and she sat down, and she was pretty serious, and she said, I think I have found the breed. I found the breed that I want. I really think that we need to get this dog. So when she's serious, I listened because we had kind of joked about it for a long time. So she seriously sat with me and she goes, all right, I think that I found the breed. We got to put a deposit down. I was like, we need to put a deposit down on this dog. What kind of dog is this? So we ended up putting the deposit down. We were on a waiting list for six months for this dog, but we got the cutest little petite golden doodle. Her name is Dottie and we love her to death. However, why I tell you the story is because when Caitlin and I had that conversation, I said to her, okay, you want the dog, we'll get the dog. And she was jumping for joy. I think she even went to go call her parents to like tell them we were getting the dog and all this kind of stuff. I said, but before you make that phone call, we'll get the dog on one condition. She goes, what's that? I said, I get your iPhone upgrade when it comes up. And she said, you want my iPhone upgrade? I said, yes, because see, my upgrade came at the time of the S. If you know anything about iPhones, the S are kind of like the interim iPhone-like upgrade, but the big ones come on the numbers, and Caitlin had the number, the five, the six, and the seven, and I wanted the number, and she said, okay, you can have my upgrade, we get the dog. I said, done, deal. Um, subsequently, that was a pretty creep thing to do. I probably should not have done that. But the reason I tell you that is because I said we can get the dog with a condition. I said we can, yes, let's go ahead and get the dog, but there's a condition to me accepting this dog in the home. Not the best thing to do, but that's how it shook down. I tell you that example because one of the things that people have told us over the course of time that they hate about church over and over again is this idea of conditional acceptance. You have to agree with me. You have to agree with us before we'll accept you and allow you to come in. In fact, this was probably the number one thing that people said to us that they did not like about church was that I don't know that I can line up on this and this and this and this. I believe in Jesus and he is who he said that he was, but I have questions about this. And so churches over the course of time have said, if you're not with us on everything, you really can't be a part of us. And I'm going to talk about this in just a little bit. But furthermore, we heard people say to us that churches seem to be just against everything. Have you experienced this from time to time where you go, man, I could tell you a whole bunch of things that the church is against, but I'm not sure that I could really tell you anything that the church is for. In fact, churches over the course of time have started to just develop these mindsets that I want to be against everything that is in culture and that we don't agree with and that they, it probably is against God, so we should stand against it. And over the course of time, what has happened is we've actually started to make our voices so loud 
related to these issues that we've actually started to protest some of them. Have you seen this? Have you seen Christians in churches who have kind of waved the picket flag of protest and they're going, we cannot support this, we're going to stand against this, God needs us to defend him in relationship to this. And so we've actually started to be so vocal that we've protested things. I mean, I don't know if your experience is like mine, but when I grew up in church, we were protesting all kinds of stuff. I mean, we were protesting dancing. I was at a wedding last night. That would have been way off 15 years ago, okay? You could not do that. I would, we were protesting uh, the way people dressed and dresses. We were protesting smoking and moderate drinking, and we were protesting a lottery. I mean, I've seen this protest. We were protesting Cabbage Patch Kids. Did you guys know that we protested Cabbage Patch Kids? I mean, we were the Tickle Me Elmo. Like, the list just goes on and on. But then, a couple of weeks ago, it crossed the line for me, and I said, we got to talk about this. We need to bring this up, because we protested something, in my opinion, so pure that we just cannot stand by and idly watch this anymore, because we now have protested the Muppets. Oh, hold on. That, there's, there's them. We are protesting the Muppets. We've stood against the Muppets. In fact, an article that I read, Christian group outrage at the Muppet show because Miss Piggy is a pro-choice feminist. She is? And if she is, what business is it of yours? I, but this is what I've seen. And unfortunately, over the course of time, the church has stood for what it's against much rather than what it's for. In fact, if you're an outsider looking in, you'd see the word don't, 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 don't quite often. You probably wouldn't see the word do very often. In fact, the, all the things that we're for or the things that we would say, yes, do this, you could probably fit in a tweet, 160 characters or less. But the don't list is like a CVS pharmacy receipt. You know what I mean? It just keeps printing and printing and printing, okay? That's how long it is. And the problem with this related to inclusion, the problem with all of this related to people being welcome is all of the things I just mentioned. If you like those things, if you're affiliated in some way with those things, if you like the Muppets and you're a fan of the show and the church is standing in protest against them, you probably have felt at some level, I don't know if I can be a part of what's going on in there because I like this. You might even feel tension to go, I want to be a part of these things, but the church is telling me that it's wrong, so therefore I can't be a part of the church. So what the church has done subsequently is they have made a point. By protesting things, we have made a point, haven't we? But the problem with making a point is that oftentimes when we make a point, our voice is so loud in the lives of people that we actually don't have the opportunity to make a difference. So here's what I want you to know. It's a lot easier to make a point than to make a difference, isn't it? It's a lot easier for us to stand up with a picket sign or to post something on social media, or to go to a rally than it is to actually make a difference. The problem with this is, the problem with this is, is that this doesn't sound like Jesus. doesn't sound like the Apostle Paul. In fact, they very rarely made points. The only thing that they did was build relationships with those around them in an attempt to make a difference. See, because when we make points, we don't even get the opportunity to include people in what we're doing because they've already been so turned off. It's a lot easier to make a point than to make a difference. Think about this. 
if you are married or you're in a relationship or you've been in a relationship before, you've been on the receiving end of this, let me just give you an example of this. Have you ever told your wife that she's acting like her mother? How did that go? You made a point, didn't you? Oh, you made a point. But odds are you made a very small difference because making a difference takes longer. Making a difference is confusing. Making a difference isn't black and white. It's a lot easier to pick up a picket sign than it is to build a relationship with someone. It's a lot easier to post a rant on social media than it is to have a cup of coffee with someone. It's a lot easier to ignore someone who is different than you rather than in an attempt to reach out to someone and build a relationship so that you might gain a different perspective because we want to make a difference in the lives of people. I just want you to know this and we want to include people. We want people to come in here. Downtown Harbor Church will not be making points. We are not taking stances. We are not waving picket signs. We are not taking positions that we're going to put out there publicly. Instead, we're going to take the Jesus model seriously, meaning that we are going to build relationships. Because to redefine inclusion, we have to stop making points and start making a difference. And when you make a point, you have very, very little opportunity to make a difference. That's the first step as it relates to redefining inclusion. Here's the second thing that I just want you all to know, and we're going to say this throughout the morning, and you're going to hear it a lot, but this is really important, and it's very passionate to me. Here it is. You don't have to be like us to join us. You don't have to be like us to join us, because the fact of the matter is, is that all of us, even those of us who are on staff at Downtown Harbor, we are all different. Yes, we have some commonality beliefs that are core. Jesus is who he said that he was. But even us, we might differ on some things. And throughout the course of the church history, what we've done is we've said to, be, to join us, first of all, you have to be like us. Here's something that I've been waiting to say for a long time. Churches somewhere along the way, developed this thing called church membership. They've developed this idea of being a member at a church. And, and, and ever since I was a kid, and ever since I was like a teenager and I was getting plugged into church, I never got it. I never understood why would churches, where this message is supposed to be for all people, why would churches develop this idea of membership that is basically a box that you have to sign on the dotted line to come into. I didn't understand it. I'm not a member of very many things. But the only thing that I am a member of that, I can, that comes to mind is the Disney Vacation Club. Okay, I did that at a very young age. And when I was kind of getting out of college and I bought into this timeshare thing and it was a foolish move then, but we love it now. And I remember when I did it, I got this membership card. Like they gave me a card and I was like, well, this means that like I'm official. And churches have done the same thing and I could never understand why until... I think that I actually have figured a little bit of it out. Now, what I'm about to say is my opinion. This is not the stance necessarily of us as an organization. This is Adam Duckworth's opinion. I believe churches have create, created membership because they are very scared of guilt by association. Here's what I mean when I say that. When 
There are people who come into your church or come to gather with us and they're not like us. They might be rogue people. They may have this opinion on this. They might think differently on this. And the church has been historically so scared of engaging with those people because they're scared of the questions and the conversations that they draw the box. And only then, after you take our four-week class and go through all of these steps and say, yes, I agree on this, I agree on this, no, I will not drink wine, I will not go out on Saturday night, then you can sign on the bottom line and then you can join us. They're afraid of guilt by association. And church membership helps wall that off so that they can say, nope, all of the people who are our members are good. They think this way, they think this way, they believe this way. That's how denominations started. That's why there's how many hundreds of Christian denominations within the Protestant church because we've all been scared of guilt by association. The problem with that is, the problem with that is, is that we have made this up. Jesus was not scared of guilt by association. Paul was not scared by guilt by association. In fact, in the book of Matthew, listen to this story and what happened. Later, Matthew, and you might not be familiar with Matthew, so let me tell you about him. He was a tax collector of the time. I'm going to talk to you about what that looks like in just a second. But later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were the religious ancient Jewish leaders of the time who were helping to enforce and interpret the law, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Sound familiar? And Jesus responded. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Now let me tell you about tax collectors in, the mod, or in that era in ancient time. And I actually have it in my notes. I want to read it word for word because it's so powerful what I found about how tax collectors were viewed. Because we tend to think of tax collectors as people who you know, might be at the DMV, the you know, Department of Motor Vehicles, or people who are in Broward County and they're collecting your taxes. We might think of the IRS. But tax collectors in the Bible were Jewish people who were working for the hated Romans. The Roman government was occupying the place where they lived and the Jewish people were working for the hated Romans. These individuals were seen as turncoats, traitors to their own countrymen. Rather than fighting the Roman oppressors, the tax collectors were helping them and enriching themselves at the expense of their fellow Jews. Meaning, they were hated and they were crooks. They were stealing money, they were taking off the top, and they were making their lives better at the expense of others. Jesus was having dinner with these people. Because how in the world would he build a relationship with them and engage with them if all he said was, stay out? And Jesus not only hung out with tax collectors, he hung out with prostitutes, he hung out with sinners. These are the kind of people that he engaged with. And at Downtown Harbor Church, we want to do the exact same thing. It doesn't matter what you think or where you've come from or what kind of mess you're in. We want you to be in here. We're going to have Republicans in here. We're going to have Democrats in here. We're going to have independents in here. We're going to have sane people in here. We're going to have crazy people in here. We're going to have John Garippa in here, which just makes it all the better. But here's the point. 
We're going to have all kinds of people in here and we're okay with it. That's why at Downtown Harbor Church, we are never creating a membership bubble. You are welcome to come just as you are. Adam, are you, are you saying to me that just because we're allowing people in here that we're basically saying their behavior is okay? You tell me being a prostitute is okay? Paul, are, are, you, are you telling me that lying to people and stabbing people in the back is okay by you hanging out with them? Is that what you're telling me? Jesus, are you telling me that being a tax collector and cheating people out of money is okay? I believe if Jesus were here and we asked him that question, I believe he would probably be furious. And the reason that I believe that is, I think he'd respond by saying, sin will ultimately kill me. Sin is what I will give my life for and I will die because of so that you can live. You think that because I'm associating myself with someone or trying to engage with someone that I just think that anything that they would do is okay? No. Sin is real. It exists. It's alive. It's evil. It will destroy your life. It killed Jesus. But you know what I believe Jesus was saying? You all who would ask me those questions, go ahead and sit back in your small, uh, safe congregations of people while I go and actually try to engage with people around me. Sin will ultimately kill me. No, it's not okay. But how in the world are we going to engage with people who are different than us if all we do is keep them out? I also believe that when we adopt a guilt-by-association mentality, that it actually means that we're making a judgment of others. That when we adopt a guilt-by-association mentality and people cannot come in here and be a part of us because of who they are, that we are developing a judgment of others. And oh, if Jesus talked about one thing to be careful of, it was this. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. He then goes on to say, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, he says. Hypocrite. He calls us hypocrites. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And I believe that Jesus was saying, this is not an excuse not to care about people. If you have something going on in your life, we should care about that. But when we judge others and we don't first look at ourselves, we tend to judge others without empathy and compassion. We tend to just make a harsh judgment upon someone because their behavior is not in line with what we think behavior should be like. And the fact of the matter is, all of us have stuff. All of us have stuff. Your stuff is different than my stuff. And my stuff is different than your stuff. Jesus was saying to us, don't get so concerned with other people's behavior so much that you forget to look in the mirror. I was thinking of the Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror, as I prepped this message. And I was like, I listened to the lyrics and I was like, it is exactly what he is saying. First, 
look here because your stuff is different than my stuff. My stuff is different than yours. No box will we draw that people have to pass through the gate to be a part of Downtown Harbor Church. You're a part of it. Welcome. We want you to be here. Last thing I'd kind of like to say as we uh, begin the process of wrapping this up, this is my third point, is we're not going to create that box and that bubble. I believe that it's really important to understand why we're not going to do it. Here's what I want to say about that. If the message of Jesus is for everyone, then the church should not exclude anyone. If the message of Jesus is for everyone, then the church should not exclude anyone. And here's why we think that. Because Jesus said something to his disciples that I want to read to you that I think is so important for us to understand why we would do this. Because this isn't just about us going, oh, we want to be a cool new hip church with no church membership, and we don't want to do that out with the old, in with the new. No, that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this because we actually believe that we are following the commands of what Jesus said. And here is what he said. Jesus came, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given... All authority in heaven and on earth. Do you know what that means? I've been given all authority. I'm in charge now. God has given all authority to me. I rose from the dead. I am alive. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, the disciples, that word means just a follower of Jesus. Someone, and that when, when Jesus was walking the earth, those were people who were around him at the time. Those were his closest friends, the people who followed his teaching. He said, go and make disciples. There's one key phrase here, of all the nations, all the nations, every county, every state, every country, every corner of the world. Take this message, this love God by loving others through faith in me message to all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, God, the Son, Him, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, new followers of His, to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. If the message of Jesus is for all the nations, everyone, everyone, not just us, not just our people, not just our county or America, everyone, then the church should not exclude anyone. If the message of Jesus is for everyone, then the church should not exclude anyone. Basically meaning this. Jesus came to make a difference in your life. He did not come to prove a point. That's why at Downtown Harbor Church, we want everyone to be welcome. That's why at DHC, if everyone's welcome and we don't exclude anyone, we run toward the messes. We know that every one of you right where you're at at some level has something going on in your life that might be a mess. Everybody who will come in here has something going on in their life that might be a mess. And at Downtown Harbor Church, we say bring it. 
We say, bring it here, engage with us, because we run toward the messes. Because here's what we believe. We believe at some point in time, you were a mess, okay? You are a mess, or you will be a mess again someday. All of us will be. So if that's true of all of us, then we have to create an environment where you can come in here and willfully bring your mess to the table. The message of Jesus is for everyone, and the church should not exclude anyone. That's why people ask us all the time, what's your policy on this? I want to know what your policy is on this. Please tell me what your policy is on this. It's real easy. We have no policies. We don't have policies. We have conversations. We build relationships. We dialogue through that process. Now, there are, of course, policies relating to kids because our number one priority is to keep our kids safe within our walls. But we have no policies because we want to make sure that in all that we do as we redefine inclusion, we redefine how everyone is welcome, that we are very careful to build those careful relationships with people and not say to people, stay. Because we believe that if people are going to have a shot at a real relationship with God, that they have to come in with no strings attached, making sure that they feel welcome. So it's simple. Our bottom line is this. It's a very simple one. At Downtown Harbor Church, we want to redefine how everyone is welcome. At Downtown Harbor Church, we want to redefine how everyone is welcome. And i got to tell you guys, as we've talked through this Redefine series, and we've talked through all the things that we've talked about, this actually, for the first time in my life, I believe, has a chance to reach this city in a radical, radical way. What if the people that you know in your life who are burned by church actually came into a place and felt welcome? What if some of your kids in the room who've been burned by church and don't want to be a part of it anymore actually had a place where they felt welcome. Some of your closest family members and some of your closest friends, some of your relatives have all had an experience like I'm talking about. And friends, I will tell you just very personally, I've had an experience like I'm talking about. There came a point in time in my life where I was ready to walk away where I was ready to not fight anymore, but God would not let it leave my heart. That we had to fight for the true and real message of Jesus. That's why we're doing this. So at Downtown Harbor Church, we want to redefine how everyone is welcome. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this idea that came from you. This idea that Every single person in all corners of the earth, but more specifically right here in our county, need a place where they can feel welcome, a place where they can come in, a place where they can be embraced right in the middle of their mess. Because if the message of Jesus, your message, God, is for everyone, then never allow us at any level to put anything in the way that would exclude them. And we know that you're going to work through that and we know that you're going to teach us and guide us and lead us through how that should go. But God, we're serious about it. We're passionate about it. We want it to reach and change our city. And I just pray that you would help us to do that to the core of our being in everything that we do. We 
pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen.